There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Astros victory. Astros burning with desire. Here come the Astros. Breathing orange fire. Here come the Astros with winning on their mind. Here come the Astros number one every time. Go, go, Astros. Only thing missing is uh, Jim Mudd playing that little ditty. Yep. He busy. <laughs> Much busier than us. He's out there working with Michael Barry. Did you play this little ditty for Michael? I don't know. Maybe Michael needs to get in on that action. Maybe he needs to bogart that from us and uh, start doing it. Maybe that's the answer. I don't know. But uh, welcome in, everybody. Another Astros uh, post-game show. Another hell of a ball game. Another game in which Jeremy Pena makes you realize that, hey, I don't miss Carlos Correa. Another game in which uh, uh, they walked Jordan Alvarez, won at bat too late. Just all, I mean, just badass, man. Another badass win. The Astros are just nuts, man. It's stupid what they're able to do. And uh, there they are up 2 nothing. We talked about it after the first game, you know, whether or not uh, Seattle was donezo. You know, they didn't lay down, though. Like, they, they fought. They did. And, uh, and again, they were in position to win the game, but... They didn't put the four fingers up, but here's the thing. Hey, we're talking about how you need to walk Jordan Alvarez. You need to go four horsemen with it, baby. Woo! To be the man, you got to beat the man. You got to go Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Tully. You got to throw up the four and walk him. But the problem is you walk his ass and you saw what happened. You walked him, two out, two on, first pitch, Bregman oppo, base knock, insurance tally. So, man, with the way Bregman's hitting and the way Bregman's bounced back in the second half of the year. They've all kind of come alive at the right time because there was a moment there in the season. And, again, maybe they just got bored. Yep. But boy. Well, Bregman started slow. He did. And then Bregman got back, you know, got going. He's always had, uh, like, his on-base percentage. He works good at bats. That's never been an issue. Power numbers weren't always there this year. But Bregman gets the big knock. But the, the guy who, you know, was just interviewed, by the way, all oh, spectacular. He, uh, Jeremy Pena was just on TBS, and TBS has all these dudes on the show. One of them is Carlos Correa. Tell me uh, that it's not sweet poetry, that it's not sweet uh, karma almost in a way that Carlos Correa sitting his ass at home just opted out of his deal with Minnesota so he's a free agent but he's sitting his ass at home not in the playoffs and he's having to interview the guy that has taken his job and has made people forget about him for at least the short term he's made people forget about him and he's having to interview him after his former team goes up to nothing and you know when he took this job because it's only a guest role I guess he's only doing today but like when they said hey do you want to come on and do game two he's probably like oh yeah cool because you know if he would have had an interview Altuve or Bregman you know that's not nearly as awkward those are his guys you know yeah but I don't think he would have expected to have Pena be the guy they interview immediately after it'd the be game. like if like for some reason I would have had to have interviewed the, the, the uh, what's his name Chris Carlin 
that uh, replaced me at WIP. Except I got fired. Correa left on his own. Yeah, they offered him money. He rolled out. Yeah, it's... um. Dude, like, that's got to be awkward. And I know we talked about it last time we did this, and we can talk about it again right now. But I really wonder what is going through his mind when you look at your team that's now up 2 nothing, and dudes that aren't you are getting big hits because you're the guy that used to get the big hits. You used to have those Alvarez at bats. You used to have those Pena at bats. It used to be you in crunch time, in particular in the division series. That was your bread and butter. That's where you crushed. That's where you were owning. Like I, I got a, uh, a tweet from someone who said these athletes don't care. They're more worried about money than they are what they're, you know, what they're winning and losing and I'm is. I'm sure that's partly true. But oh, I'm sure it's partially true because you want to get paid and you know that you're rich and you got a hot wife and your life doesn't suck. No matter where you end up playing, whether you win another World Series or not, you're going to be set for life. But if you are a competitor at all, you'd much rather be out there playing for the Astros and competing for the World Series than sitting on your ass doing nothing. And that's what he's doing right now is sitting on his ass doing nothing. And he's, he's a, a guest analyst in the freaking studio watching his successor get interviewed like it like again you can tell me all you want about money and yes these guys care about money he cares about money that's why he left houston and that's why he opted out uh in minnesota he wanted bigger money for a longer period of time and i'm totally fine with that i totally get it man we're all out in search for the dollar if someone came to me today and was like well you can make a million dollars but understand that no one's going to be listening to you or you can have big time ratings and make a hundred thousand i'd say well shit i'm going to take the million you know what i mean i, I get that you can overlook shitty uh, situations if the money is right but when you're so used to for five six years being in this situation being the guy that they count on for the big hit a couple years ago being the balls of the team that steps up and saying what are they going to say now when that's you and not only is it not you now and not only is your team not competitive and in this situation not only are you now a free agent you're having to talk to the guy who took your gig well, that you replaced think, like, you that's fucking bananas do you think there's a chance like cuz i think he thoroughly enjoyed Houston he likes those guys obviously he likes playing well, I think for there's boys team. no doubt yeah but do you think like maybe uh old boris was like look just go play in minnesota for a year i mean obviously the plan was always to opt out always to go get bigger money yeah but like maybe he's whispering hey you know the astros are going to realize they need you well i think that that was an a, a thought now i don't know if when you leave and now like they don't need him oh they don't and now again Pena doesn't have the walk-off homers and, like, the, the, the walk-off knocks yet. But he's got H-E-B commercials. He's got H-E-B commercials. Glove is slick. He's out there making plays. Hasn't been an issue. At game one, he made a couple of huge plays defensively, so you're not losing a ton there. And then you get the big setup uh, knock. This one was a walk. Yesterday, it was a knock. Like, it's just incredible what he's able to do and what he's able to accomplish as a young dude. There is pressure replacing Correa. You know, you can debate whether or not a guy is a legend. People have debated that. Is Correa an Astros legend or not? Yeah, he is. In 20 years, when you look back on the Astros, and I don't know, where their run's going to end, but at some point they're going to stop going to the World Series every year and they're going to stop going to the LCS every year. At some point, that's going to end. And when you look back 20 years from now, you're going to go, holy shit, Carlos Correa had some of the biggest hits in franchise history. He is a franchise legend. You'll look back and say that. So you're replacing a franchise legend who is not just you know a, a, an old legend who you know it's time for him to go. 
This it's not you know Brett Favre retiring and Aaron Rodgers comes in, but Favre's kind of at the end. It's like you know it's time to go. This is a guy who left for greener pastures and potentially more cash that you weren't willing to give him. So it's a different scenario. And you come in and there's big pressure because there was a good portion of the fan base that wanted the team to give uh, Correa the opt out. They wanted it. They said go for because this guy's a franchise, you know, a, a, a a player that you can look back on and say this guy might be generational. I don't believe he is but there are people that might view him as a generational player there's all of that and you step up and you get big knock yesterday work a two-out walk by getting on base you force scott service to go four horsemen on him baby and throw up the four so then they had to make that move and walk him thus giving alex bregman who's had such good plate discipline all throughout the year he's been great with his obp he has good at bats he does not chase and he goes up there and delivers a first pitch rocket into right field for a base hit that puts the team on top by two and as it turned out that was a big run because presley stunk in the ninth i know he got out of it giving up no runs they rocketed a couple of balls off of him and i'd say that the trust level for ryan presley right now is very low but presley goes out there stinks it up a little bit doesn't give up a run we're worried about him a little but just how big was that insurance run they are just like they're doing everything right they're taking the extra base when they need to they're making big outfield plays now uh you know with all the home runs and everything and the big moments from uh, jordan you know, he had the big outfield assist in game one uh, early in the game, which at the time maybe didn't seem like a big deal because, you know, what was the difference? It would have been four or five runs. Uh, and when you're down by five, you're not thinking about it that way. It turned out it was a huge run. I've seen a lot of people talking about that, and they talk like this was the most amazing play they've ever seen. And I think they're overblowing that play a little bit uh, because it was a huge moment and it was a play that needed to be made and it saved a run and it all looks good after the fact. But the Jordan outfield assist in game one was a very routine play that most outfielders are going to have to make. But people were blowing him like it was the greatest play they've ever seen. The bigger play in that game and the more impressive play in that game was the Tucker catch in right center. Because if that catch isn't made, that goes for a triple more than likely. And that puts another run on the board, uh, at least gives you a chance to produce another run, a two-out run if you're Seattle. That play was gigantic and more impressive, and the degree of difficulty was far greater. Uh, the, the Alvarez play, I got myself into this little back and forth with the Astros people, and they like they get very offended. People on Twitter, on sports team Twitter, get very offended. And when people on sports team Twitter get very offended, they want to fight you over everything, and they think everything you say, which is a fair criticism, is just awful, and you're trying to attack the team. I didn't think that the Jordan play, let's put it this way, the Jordan outfield assist in game one was big, given what we know about how the game ended, but it was not some sort of degree of difficulty play that you would look back on and go, wow, that's a play that's going to be shown for a hundred years. That was a routine play in a shallow outfield. Dude throws a strike and gets him slow runner. And the only reason, by the way, the runner was running on that play is because there were two outs. If there weren't two outs, there's no way they send that slow ass dude. He was barely off a third by the time Jordan started throwing home. So that's not a play that if there's one out or no outs in that inning, they're holding the runner. They just took a chance because they were smelling themselves and, and said, Hey, can you throw him out? And he did you know when i look back on amazing defensive plays that are made in playoff baseball games that are truly incredible based on the degree of difficulty the Jordan playing game one isn't that impressive. I look at Jimmy Edmonds robbing the Astros in center field back in 04. 
Uh, I look back on Indy Chavez robbing uh, uh, Scott Rowland in 2006 in uh, Shea Stadium. I mean, there's a lot. Of, I mean, there are other plays. I mean, there, uh, Altuve can make play, a play that Altuve made today. I mean, you look at degree of difficulty and you go, I mean, that's a tougher play. I'd, hell, I'd argue that the catch Jordan made based on where he was positioned today, you know, he's a lumbering dude. He's a big old cat, right? So it's not like things are easy for him. He doesn't glide around gracefully. He's a big a hulking dude. I mean, he made a heck of a play on a line drive late in the game today that I think was a more impressive play than the the throwing the runner out in game one uh but that was just like a back and forth i had with astros people and they got all worked up over it and upset over it like just fuck off thank you uh but just to go back again i'm not going to break down the full game for you and break down every play every pitch but the astros are finding ways to get it done they're getting big at bats scott service of course walks jordan one at bat too late and they're making it tough to walk Jordan because Bregman's making plays. Like that that trio right there, which has basically been the series, those three dudes, Pena setting the table, having big two out at bats, followed by Jordan at bats, followed by Bregman at bats. Those two guys have been gigantic, and that's why it's 2 nothing, and that's why they're going to advance and go on to the LCS. And uh, we'll see if it's against the Yankees, which more than likely it will be. Even though there's no baseball tonight, they're going to play tomorrow because of a rainout, all that shit. But... Uh, just fucking cool, man. Watching these guys do the damn thing. Watch them produce. You know, you think they're kind of down. You wonder if they're out. They're not out. They're still making plays. And just the angle of looking at Carlos Correa, the like just the sheer poetry, how gorgeous it is well, watching. I love, I love it. I love that they actually showed the tweet from somebody that was like, wow, Astros legend, Carlos Correa interviewing future legend, Jeremy Pena. I'm, like, I'm in my to, feels. I'm in my feels. Props to TBS for showing that because that had to be awkward. And Correa's a, a reaction was just like, huh. I wish they would have gone back to it again. Like, and so I wish I think? wish they would have busted his balls. Now, we stopped watching, so maybe they did. If this were the wacky program, as you call oh, it, if yes. this were inside the NBA, oh, yes. Charles Barkley would be busting Correa's balls nonstop. And that would make it even more fun. Like, these guys are being kind of nice about it, and they're not busting his balls. If this were Charles and Shaq and Kenny and Ernie, and they had a guest in there that had just left a team, and that team is advancing in the playoffs, and that team uh, has a, a player that replaced that dude and he's showing up and showing out in big moments there is no fucking question Barkley and Shaq would be roasting his ass uh, that obviously isn't happening here. This is a much lamer show. It's not really right. interesting at like, all. And they're like, oh, well, players, we stick together. You know, unless you're basketball players and you're Chuck and Shaq, as you said, those two are the exception to the rule. Oh, no, they will bust your balls and it's fun. And I think that's the way it should be. Because I, I can just hear Charles and all the shit they'd be talking like, man, that's your boy. He got your job, man. Yep. Where are you at? You sitting here with us? Where are you at? Yep, totally. Um, oh, God, it would be spectacular. But, like, there was the, there was an uncomfortableness about it. I'll give Correa credit. He didn't look uncomfortable no, for most of it. Uh, but there was a point in there at the end whenever they're done with the interview with Pena and he gives him like a little kind of golf clap. Like in the background, you hear um, Pedro kind of clapping like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then you, you zoom in and I posted it on my Twitter. You get a little shot there of, 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 of Correa just like, hey, golf clap, you know, prissy golf clap. Hello, hello, hello. Like, I can't think of a situation like this, though, where a guy replaces someone. Like, I always I always think of Cardinal references because that's where my closest reference would be to things. And you'll remember when Pujols left for Anaheim and never really did anything with them when he was in Anaheim. They didn't win playoff games or anything. The next year, 2012, Beltron signs with the Cardinals. 
And Beltron replaces him and puts up big numbers for two years playing for the Cardinals, and they go to the LCS, then go to the World Series in 2013. Like, that's kind of a ha, fuck you, you know, Albert. But, like, you don't see situations like this very often where a guy leaves for free agency and the guy who replaces him, a young dude, steps in and they don't miss a beat. Again, is he bopping homers? No. But is he playing the shit out of second or a shortstop, rather? Fuck, yes, he is. Is he making big plays defensively? Shit, yeah, he is. Is he getting huge at bats, having huge at bats, big knocks, walks, setting the table for the dude that's on fire right now? Yes. Like, it, it, before it's all said and done, and I know it's a little bit different because Beltron in his prime in 04, Beltron's a better baseball player than, than Alvarez is. He, overall, Carlos Beltron in his prime was five-tool guy, stolen base, amazing outfield, could hit for power, gap-to-gap. Like, Beltron was a better player. And I don't really think that's debatable. Beltron, in a way, Alvarez is kind of like an old-school player in that, that, that Alvarez is almost like a Ryan Howard type. Like, he doesn't strike out a ton. Like, he's a better, I think he's a better disciplined plate player than than a Ryan Howard but he's kind of similar in the sense that they're they're more traditional 90s era boppers that we think of in the sense that they hit a bunch of home runs they drive in runs they're fine at their position but not incredible at their position uh you know they're big lumbering dudes they don't get around as well and um they're fine Beltron was a guy as everybody that's listening knows had five tools he was unreal but I do think the way Alvarez is going, and again, it's only two games and maybe I'm overreacting, maybe this is hyperbole, call it whatever the hell you want, and that's fine. But when this is done, though, we may be looking back at this playoff run, if they continue to the LCS, which they will, and if they advance in the LCS and they do, uh, and he puts up these numbers and he keeps getting clutch hits, you're going to look back and view this in the same way, and I know that Beltron didn't win a World Series with the Astros, but you're going to look back on that and go, holy fuck, that's kind of like Beltron-esque, where every big situation seemed to have him in the middle of it. And I think that's Alvarez. People are afraid of him right now. Um, I forgot who they showed a, a um, they showed a tweet from, I forgot who it was, former pitcher, or no, it was, Mike, was it Mike Lowell? I forgot who it was. Uh, but basically, like, hey, pitchers, He's not going to miss your fastball. Yeah. He's looking fastball, and he's crushing fastball. The fuck are you doing? There's no way they pitched to him in game three, right? There's well, no I mean, way. if he's in a situation to burn you, no. Uh, and that all kind of comes down to, to Pena. I mean, if Pena and these guys are getting on and they're setting the table, you have to in a way. I also love these stupid Mariners fans on Twitter who are like, oh, they're just cheap home runs, man. Minute Maid Park. Like, your team can hit cheap home runs there, too. Yeah, fuck off. Like, it's not just for the Astros that count if they go in the Crawford boxes. Like, uh, your team can hit them, too. Too. And Feel sorry, free. friend, your dude came up with a chance to do big damage late in the game and damn near hit a home run, but didn't have enough power to hit a cheap home run to right field. Had warning track power, baby. WTP. So do we think they win Saturday? Do they close this out in three? Yes. Lance on the mound? Uh, here's, my only, here's my concern with Lance, is that Lance is probably already thinking about the fact that he's unfortunately being forced to pitch outside. Yeah, but we looked at the weather. The high's like 75 in Seattle, which seems abnormally... But what if it's 75 and breezy and it's a cold 75 and he doesn't uh, and he's not warm enough? I don't enough. know. I think Lance catches a break with the nice weather. It's a day game. It's warm. 
I think I think he shuts them down pretty good. And then the series is over, and then you wait for the Yankees to finish out their series. And God, you want the fucking Yankees. Oh, if it's like, the uh, Indians, I will be, or the Guardians. If it's Sorry. The, yeah, no, Sorry, thank you. Sorry, don't cancel us. Uh, nobody wants the Guard Indians. No, no. thank you. We Let's want the fucking Yankees. Yankees. Let's get to Yankees Astros. We've wanted this since. I would, com- I would compare it to this. Like, I hear people, we're in Nashville, and people are talking about Tennessee-Bama, and there's a question of, do you want Bryce Young to play if you're uh, Tennessee or not? Fuck yes, you want Bryce Young to play, because you want to beat them at their best, and you don't want anybody to have an excuse to come out and say, yeah, that's great, you beat them, but their starting quarterback wasn't there. Fuck you. You want their starting quarterback there. That's what you're here for. And I really just can't get over this Correa-Pena conversation and how awkward it has to be, and I'm trying to think of a, a comparison like, is it like, you know, parents are getting divorced, mom's off with some other dude, and like, like, but at the kid's graduation, like, they, they still have to see each other, but that's not even comparable, because like, there's no kid involved, it's just one person replaced another. Yeah. Like, Correa is like, you know, dad, like, that's, you know, getting divorced, and Pena's like, new dad. And, like, everybody's all in love with New Dad, and people are like, yeah, we've kind of forgot about you. It's like the song I Don't Call Him Daddy oh. by Doug Supernall. I thought you were going to say it's like Daddy's Home. It's like Daddy. You know what? <laughs> it's very similar to Daddy's Home. That's what it's like. Like, you just got this, like, you got a guy, and he's like, listen, I'm not trying to be your dad, but, like, he's better than your dad, and your dad's kind of jealous of it. Like, what the fuck? Right. And everybody, like, everybody else in the family loves New Dad more than Old Dad, and Old Dad's just off. Like, and his life's not nearly as successful as new dad. So Jeremy Pena is Mark Wahlberg in this situation. Yeah, 100%. And Carlos Correa is then Will Ferrell. No, it's the other way around. Will Ferrell was original daddy. No, Will Ferrell was new dad. Oh, I was thought. it? Yeah. I don't, it was a terrible movie. Yes, ask dad will Scott will know. Scott he, will he know. He loves that movie. But I, I'm fairly certain that Will Ferrell plays new dad. That's kind of the lame new dad. No, I think, new, I think he's lame old dad and cool new dad swoops in. Is it? It just, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> Point being in all of this shit is that, like, one is the new dad that's kind of like everybody loves, and one is the old dad that people have already forgotten about. And that's what we've got here right now. It's like Journey. There's Steve Perry and Steve Perry. That's, that's it. That's fucking it. So here's what it is. Steve Perry rolled out a journey. He's like, fuck this shit. I don't need this journey. I'm out of here. Whatever. So he rolls the fuck out. Then what happens, like, a decade later, they bring in that Filipino Jamoke, and he comes in and sings all their shitty songs, and people are like, we don't give a fuck about Steve Perry, and they still sell out venues. Yep. And Steve Perry's sitting over here like, I'm going to sue you motherfuckers. And make Christmas music. That's it. So basically, Carlos Correa is 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 Steve Perry making shitty Christmas music and suing Journey, and over here, Jeremy Pena is the Filipino guy who just goes in and sings all of Steve Perry's old old shit and maybe a couple new ones and still plays in front of 20,000 people every time they go out. And now Steve Perry still makes a lot of money. Oh, you know, he does. He's still doing well. He wrote some of those songs. I'm sure he's still making royalties. His yep. life doesn't suck financially. But he's not living the good life. He's not living the fun life. But he's right? irrelevant in the big scheme of things. In the music world, nobody gives a fuck about Steve Perry and nobody's buying tickets to see Steve Perry. You know what it's like? It's like Dennis to fucking Young. Dennis to Young is like, well, I gotta roll out of sticks because I got a light sensitivity and shit, so I'm out of the band, guys. And they're like, good, fuck off. We you don't like tell, your shitty music anyway. You can tell you're a rock jock now because all of your analogies that have finally made sense are rock stars. Correct. So, so what you got here clearly. Is- this is actually the perfect situation we've just... Actually, you know what? He's David Lee Roth. That's it. He's... Okay, great. <laughs> so many. So here's what he is. 
So, Carlos Correa is David Lee Roth. And David Lee Roth's like, yeah, I don't really fucking need Van Halen anymore. And Van Halen's just coming off their biggest album ever. And they're like, fuck yeah, 1984, we rule, right? And then David Lee Roth is over here like, I don't want to do this. I think I can do my own shit. So David Lee Roth goes out and does some decent shit. He's like, hey, a little ain't enough. And fucking California girls. And I'm just a gigolo. And you're like, oh, that's not so bad, right? Just like living in paradise. That's all not so bad. None of it's super successful. It's fine. And the songs are decent, but you're like, okay, whatever, that's cool. But then Sammy comes in to Van Halen, and Sammy starts pumping out number one records and starts pumping out Why Can't This Be Love and Dreams and Love Walks In and 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 When It's Love and Pound Cake and shit. And then they still they're at huge heights, and he's replaced him, and he's actually done it better than the original. And while he hasn't quite hit the heights of the original in terms of home runs and numbers like that, they're still getting big results. That's it. Luther, I solved it. Luther, it's been solved. Carlos Correa is David Lee Roth. The Astros, as an organization, that's Van Halen. And Jeremy Pena is Hagar. And, there will, and remember, there are still people who will tell you, like, I prefer David Lee Roth. Uh, no matter what, Roth is still better than Hagar. There are those people on social media who will let you know that Correa is still better than Pena, and Pena has a lot to prove. What you're dealing with here, Luther, actually, if we want to make it even tighter, what we're dealing with here, Luther, is we have got, like, right around 1985-ish, David's already left the group, and he's doing just a gigolo and shit. Right, Luther? You hearing me out? Good. And then... That's when Hagar comes in 1985 and they do 5150, the first Van Hagar album. What we're witnessing in this division series is 5150. And this is why can't this be love? Then in the LCS, you know what that's going to be, Luther? OU812. Then if they make it to the World Series and win that shit, we're like, for unlawful carnal knowledge. See what I'm saying? Am I making sense to you, Luther? Thought so. God, what a great comparison. Go share that with your friends. When you listen to this pod today, go share with your friends that comparison. Correa is Roth. Let's just, let me just lay it out one more time. Astros are Van Halen. Correa is Roth. He leaves. They need somebody else to replace him doing exactly what he does. In comes Pena. Pena is Hagar. Happy birthday, by the way, Sammy. Boy, Luther, we crushed that. We nailed that. Jilly agrees. She's, she left to go make macaroni. So uh, Jilly does agree with that. She's cooking and everything. So there you go. I think that uh, you know, that's a good way to end this thing, Luther, with the best comparison you're going to hear. So when you're hanging out with your buddies at work and they're like, you know, making fun of this whole scenario, say, you know what, bro? You know what I think it's kind of like? I think it's very similar to when DLR left Van Halen and Hagar came in. And what you're dealing with here is you've got Hagar and Hagar is paying you. Why can't this be love? Boy, that's fucking right. Fucking right. All right, let's get out of here. Love you guys. Bye.